God, we give joyfully and we give gratefully knowing that nothing that we ever give to you, whether it's our money or our time or our treasures, nothing is ever wasted by you, that you use all things for your glory and for your name, and we thank you that we can have confidence in you. In your name, uh, the name of your son, we pray. Amen. Hi. You get me today. Thanks. I wasn't sure how that would go over. I'm like, gosh, what if they're like, oh, her, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm happy to be here with you this morning, and I am excited for our time together today. And I want us to get started because um, I am... I am excited. Oh, what's happening? What's falling? Why do I always have a hard time with this stuff? Lord. <laughs> Last September, we started a, almost a year-long sermon series on the gospel of Mark, and it's called Move Over because Jesus is coming. And if you've been here over the past few weeks you'll know that we've really started to dig more into the heart of Mark, into the middle of the book. And today, guess, where, guess which book we're in today? Mark, still, thank you. And we are actually in Mark chapter 12. And as a quick refresher, if you um, have been sort of following along with us, where we are in the story is that Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem. And it's the last week of Jesus' life, and he is teaching. And it says the crowds are amazed And he's also having some interesting dialogue with (laughs) the religious leaders, right? They're going uh, back and forth. And today, our story is the final public teaching of Jesus's ministry. And like Joe last week said, he didn't have a catchy title. I don't either. I don't think there's a catchy title that can be given to this message or to our passages for today. And we don't really have a PowerPoint, I just have the Word of God, and always the Word of God is enough. So let's look at Mark chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 38 through 44. As he, Jesus, taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowds putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Our passages today are the final scene in the temple courtyard. It's the final lesson that Jesus teaches. She's okay to come up here. It's ni- it would be nice to have a sidekick, especially, especially for this message. Uh, and she's cute, so I could get away with a little more. Um, but it's the final scene in the temple courtyard. And up until this point, 
all of the religious leaders have been coming at Jesus, and they're asking him all kinds of questions, hoping to trick him, hoping to trap him, hoping that his followers will leave him, and it hasn't worked. And so Jesus takes the opportunity to sort of turn the tables. He actually does it, the passage just before verse 38, but it continues here. And he flips the tables and he asks them a question. And then he goes on, sort of, um, I would, you know, kind of like an attack, (laughs) so to speak. He says, beware the scribes. Beware the scribes. Jesus says, beware five times in the book of Mark, if you use the NRSV version. Five times. Three were to his disciples in chapter 13 when he was warning them about some things that might happen to them, which we know happened to them in the book of Acts. The other two times, first time is in chapter 8, when he says, beware of the Pharisees, and this time in chapter 12, he says, beware of the scribes. But before we get into what Jesus is talking about, we need to take a quick aside, just a quick moment aside, because as readers of scripture, it's very important that we are good students. And one of the most important study principles that we have when studying our Bibles is, is context. Context means that when we study, we are to keep in mind not only the immediate context of the words that we're reading, but we also have to look at other forms of context, a cultural. We have to look at literary context. We have to look at grammar. We have to look at sentence structure, which is really important in our Bible because it's translated. And sometimes it doesn't translate the way we think it would into our English language. The words actually had a much different meaning back in the day. We also have to look at the passages that come before and the passages that come after. We also, if we're studying a topic, we should reference across our Bible to see what the Bible says as a whole on the subject. Context is important because it helps us understand and often gain um, a deeper insight into what it is that we are reading. And so I'd like to give us, give you, some context about our scribes who we're being told to beware of. See, the scribes were legal experts, and they interpreted scripture for Jewish people, and they gave rulings on what was proper and improper. They were part of of the ruling class of Jews um, called the Sanhedrin. And scribes fulfilled a very important role. They um, served God's people. The scribes protected people and scribes helped God's people understand what God wanted from them. And so scribes were very influential in Jewish society, and they were given great respect. See, scribes were the protectors and the keepers of Jewish law and Jewish lore and Jewish tradition, and they handled all legal matters within Israel. And they advised kings, they advised priests, as we know, they advised the authorities, And they taught the people the word of God. However, during the week Jesus is in Jerusalem, his final week, we see that he is criticizing the uh, Pharisees and the scribes. He says the temple is not fulfilling its true purpose under their leadership. And he's challenging their authority. He is accusing them of misleading God's people and pursuing their own gain and not the good of the people. You see, the temple... 
wasn't just a place for people to come and experience God. It was divinely inspired and designed to be a place of protection for the people. The temple housed vast storehouses of food that were meant to be a redistribution system. And I didn't know this until I studied. I was like, that's kind of cool. It's like, it's, like our giant, it's like a giant food pantry, basically. And it was designed that way so that no one Israelite would ever starve or ever go hungry. And some of the taxes that the people paid, it supported the food redistribution. And I love this as a sign that the community takes care of the community. And it was through paying into that system that all were fed, that all had a part in caring for each other. It's awesome, right? At least that's how it was designed. The reality is by the time Jesus... It gets there, the temple had become hopelessly corrupt. The people who were in charge of distributing the food, including the scribes, did so according to their own means and their own gain and not according to the good of the people. Many times, in order to get more food, people would have to pay a bribe or they would have to do a favor, which worked out great for the people who had extra money or who had something of worth, like a favor that they could give, But for the people that didn't have extra or they had nothing to offer by way of a favor, they often went hungry. And in addition to controlling the food, the scribes also had a hand in controlling the tax system, which favored the wealthy and it placed an extreme burden on the poor. They had turned it into a profiteering enterprise. And as a result, many people especially the poorest, had to sell their land to pay for their taxes. Some even had to resort to selling their children into slavery to pay for their taxes. And so for the very poorest of people in Israel, the very system that was supposed to help them was potentially devastating to them. And the people who were supposed to protect them, the scribes, The scribes were supposed to protect them because they knew God's word and they knew God's law exploited them and benefited from their burden. And so we get to our verses today and we hear the final words. These are the last words that Mark records in Jesus' public ministry. He says, beware the scribes. That's the final message he leaves with people. And he's saying, beware of their hypocrisy. Beware. And his, his warning is primarily aimed at unmasking this ridiculous hypocrisy, this appearance, a mere appearance of godliness and of holiness and of righteousness. You see, the scribes, they wore long flowing robes so they could be instantly recognized when they were walking around. And when they walked into a room, They loved to be greeted with titles of respect, rabbi, master, teacher. And when they went to the synagogues, they had seats reserved right up front for them where they faced the people and they had their backs turned to the law of God. And when they went to banquets, they wanted to sit in the places of the most honor, sometimes even more honorable than the people who were throwing the banquets. And, and finally, Jesus reveals, I think, what is their most egregious, most criminal 
act of hypocrisy. He says they devour widows' houses and they cover up their crimes with still more superficial piety. Their long, flowing, flowery prayers. And Jesus says they will receive greater condemnation. But it's important to call out that Jesus isn't condemning all the scribes, just the scribes who like these things. If you look back to our text, it's the word who, just the ones who like these things, the ones who like the stuff that brings personal power and glory and prestige and influence, just the ones who like to look religious but don't care about the things that God cares about, the welfare of the poor and the most vulnerable members of society. Jesus doesn't condemn all the scribes, just the ones who have forsaken their role as caretaker and protector of God's people, just those who use others to gain power and influence for their own sake, just those who have become part of a corrupt temple system and show blatant blatant disregard for God's word and God's law. And then we see Jesus turn his attention to the temple treasury. And he observes some rich people putting in a lot of money and is if, by chance or mere coincidence, a poor widow comes in and puts in an offering which we're told is all the money she has. And he calls his disciples over and he says, here's the truth. This widow gave more in relation to what she has when compared with those who gave from their surplus because while they had extra, her offering cost her everything. I'm sure at some point in time, a lot of us in this room have probably heard a pastor or a teacher talk about the widow and their devotional application, our takeaway is all about giving. And they lift the widow up as this shining example of pure generosity. Or they tell us that our sacrifice isn't defined by how much we give, but by how little we hold back. Or that we're to be like the widow, we're to sacrifice all when we give. They put her on a pedestal. Was the widow generous? Absolutely, she was. She gave all of her money. <laughs> That's super generous. Was it sacrificial? 100%. Of course it was. Rather than keeping something back for herself to make sure that her own needs were met, we don't know if she had kids. We don't know if she had kids, right? Doesn't say anything about her. Maybe she did. Rather than holding anything back, she was sacrificial in giving all that she had so to the needs of the temple could be met. Rather than her own needs, she put somebody else before her. Was she there in faith, honoring God? I'm going to be honest. For I've known of, I was going to teach on this for a month, and I have struggled, struggled so much because the only reason that I can think of that this woman was there was faith. That's the only reason she could possibly be there because I know what God's word says about the widow. I don't know if she really should have actually been there in the first place, but yet there she was in faith, honoring God with her gift. And brothers and sisters, how about us? Are we supposed to be generous and sacrificial and given faith? 
Absolutely we are. There's no question. But, but, is Jesus pointing out the widow's gift to celebrate her, to lift her up because he is pleased with what he sees? I think that's where we fall off the rails just a little bit because there's really nothing in this text, if you look, there's nothing in this text that would lead us to believe that. Jesus doesn't commend her. He doesn't condemn the rich people. No one's attitude or spirit when they give is being discussed. There's no talk about how they looked when they come in, like the rich people weren't prancing around, throwing their money in. Look at me. And she didn't come in like my sweet Nana would have, kind of hunched over, meek and humble, gentle in spirit. There's no principle regarding given that we can draw from here. All we know is that she gave more than everybody else. But this comes after Jesus says, beware of the scribes who devour widows' houses. And I want to be clear, we don't know exactly what devour widows' houses means, but from the translation, we know that the word is being used in such a way to mean to completely consume, to rob, to destroy I don't think Jesus is celebrating her giving whatsoever. And if we look at the context that comes before and what comes after and what's about to come next week when they're walking out of the temple and the disciples are like, oh, look how pretty this place is. And Jesus is like, take a good look because it's about to be destroyed. He's not celebrating her giving. I think what he sees is a, a system that is okay with taking the last cent out of a widow's pocket. And when he calls his disciples over to him, it's more of like, there you go. This is the result. This is what happens to people because of corruption, because of greed. If this were a lesson on giving, Jesus could have just as easily chosen a poor man or a poor woman. I mean, it was the week of Passover. There were probably like 100,000 people running all over Jerusalem because they were there preparing for Passover. But no, Jesus is very specific in calling attention to a widow. And it's not just to use her as a live, living example of what he just condemned the scribes for. See, widows had a very, very special place in Jewish society. And so him calling attention to a poor widow who's there emptying her pockets to a corrupt system, him calling her out, it really would have packed like an emotional punch to the stomach for them. See, if you've heard me teach before, you'll know that I always encourage you and I feel very passionately about reading and studying and understanding God's word. And one of the reasons why I feel like that is because we get to learn about God. We get to learn about God's heart. And what, brothers and sisters, there is no greater privilege for us than to get to know the heart of the creator of the universe the author and perfecter of our faith, the person who gave us life, who gives all life. We get to know his heart. And he doesn't keep it a secret from us. He doesn't make us try to figure it out on our own, thank God, because sometimes we're not really good at figuring God out on our own. So he tells us. And it's through learning God's heart that we understand his deep concern for how the most vulnerable members of society, the widows and the orphans, and the needy 
and the stranger are treated and the justice he is willing to exact on their behalf to protect them. For example, Exodus 22, 22, you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. You shall not. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear them and my wrath will burn. It's hard to get confused about that, isn't it? Like, what does God mean? Why? (laughs) We don't need to have a debate. That one's pretty clear. And throughout the law, And the Old Testament and the prophets, scripture that Jesus knew intimately, scripture that he would often refer back to when he was teaching, the widow and the orphan are held up as symbols, as symbols of the most vulnerable. And the Israelites are told to defend the widow, to protect the widow. And the temple, when it was divinely inspired It was divinely inspired, was required by their law and their scripture to alleviate the oppression of the widows, to help them never, ever, ever to harm them. So you fast forward however many thousand years from when the law was given and the first temple was built to when Jesus is there and he's at the temple and he's God and he sees what's going on. And I know for a fact that his mind doesn't change because that's like the best part about God. Well, one of the best parts is that we have confidence that God doesn't change ever. And his mind regarding how people that he shows concern for are to be treated is the same that day as it was however many years ago. And every bit of context from this story reveals Jesus' frustration with a corrupt temple system with religious leaders who have turned their back on God's word and God's law and have exploited others. So what do we take from our passage today? Well, if we are true to context, context is important, but not just the immediate where we are, but the book of Mark, the entire gospel, and if we understand where we are in the the timeline this week, we know that just in a couple of days, Jesus is going to be killed. And Jesus is going to hang on the cross and give everything he has for us. The widow isn't just an example of the dangers of a corrupt system. For Jesus, she's also an example, a foreshadowing of the sacrifice that he will make for us. The widow gave all she had out of faith to to a corrupt temple that was supposed to be the place where God dwelled. And there was justice and there was generosity where the poor were fed and the strangers were welcomed. But it wasn't. The temple had fallen short of its purpose and it had fallen short of God's desire for it. And as we stand in the light of the cross on the other Side, we know that you and I are the temple for which Jesus makes his sacrifice. Our bodies are now the temple, and our hearts, our hearts are the places that God dwells. 
Our hearts are supposed to be the places of justice and of generosity. Our hearts are supposed to feed the poor, help the needy, and to welcome the stranger, but, but we don't because our hearts are corrupt. Our hearts are broken. I know we don't like to hear it, but it's true. Our hearts are hard. Our hearts are selfish, and we fall short of what God desires for humanity. But just as the widow gives everything that she has in spite of the temple's failures, Jesus gives everything that he has for us in spite of ours. But unlike the widow, Jesus has our mark. He knows exactly who and what we are. And he loves us and he sacrifices for us every, anyway. And despite our corruption, he sacrifices everything. He gives all he has. So if we wanted to take a devotional application think just as the widow gives everything that she had, Jesus demonstrates that he is willing to give everything he has. I think he is calling us and reminding us to have the heart of a servant. The scribes had lost their way. God called them to serve others and to follow his word and to teach others God's word, but they turned their backs and they served themselves. We must be mindful of serving ourselves because that's how we're naturally wired. So we have to be mindful of serving ourselves because God, as we read and we know, and we have the perfect example who's about to hang on a cross, wants us to serve others. He wants us to read and understand and be mindful of the people that he calls us to serve, the people who are in in community with us to help each other, not the people who look like us only. But the stranger is welcomed also to God because we were once strangers. Remember the widow's example, not for her generosity, but because she was the result of being a victim of a corrupt system of people who had ceased serving God, who had stopped following God's word and had begun to serve themselves. And remember that when we cease to serve God, because sadly we will, because we are broken, and when we begin to serve ourselves, because sadly we will, know that God loves us anyway. And that truth is evidenced by his son, who gave his all for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I invite you to pray with me. God, we thank you. We thank you for today, and we thank you for the gift of your Son who laid down his life for us despite our sin, despite our failure, despite our weakness. Lord, there's so many things that we can ask you for. We all have so many things that are going on in our lives, things that we cry out to you for. But I cry out today for our church that we are both hearers and doers of God's word. That we press your word into our heart and we understand it and we understand what it means and we understand what you want from us as a community of faith. 
Help us to seek you constantly. Help us to follow you. Help us to love you and help us to serve you. In the name of your son we pray. Amen.